0: This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast.
1: Hello, hi, hello. Welcome to Hello and Good News, the podcast where comedians have conversations about the people, places, and current events that are affecting the world in a positive way. This week is a very special Good Newser episode, as I like to call them, where I sit down and interview the people who are actually creating good news and affecting positive change in the world. For this episode, I got in contact with a very cool organization called Our Front Porch. They are based out of Denver, Colorado, and they provide long-term support to families and individuals who are victims of disaster. The coolest thing about Our Front Porch is that they really are in it for the long haul. They help families relocate to affordable housing. They provide counseling and emotional support as well as community aspects. And their long-term goal is to actually have a housing complex specifically for families recovering from disaster that will provide all of those things on site. So in this episode, I'm speaking to the founders of the company, Maggie Babiak and Heather Korth, and the social media director and main volunteer, Erin Stotts. I cannot stress to you how cool and awesome these three women are, and I am so excited to share their story in this episode. Obviously, because they are in Denver, I was not able to physically sit down with them, but they were nice enough to meet with me over a video call. Please bear with the ghosty echo sounds that happen when you're trying to have a Skype call in a snowstorm. And that being said... The episode jumps straight into questions and interviewing because we had some technical difficulties in freezing in the beginning, which cut out our first introductions to each other. But I promise uh, we were normal people who said like, hello, how are you? (laughs) Thank you so much to Heather, Maggie and Aaron for doing this interview. And like I said, I am so excited to share this story with you all. Also, please check out our front porch on social media. Their Twitter is always on point. It's at OFP underscore Denver. There are also hyperlinks in the episode description, links to the Twitter and the website and all of that. So check them out. We're going to get right to that good news. But before we do, just a quick little sidebar. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. It's the only way to get this little good news machine noticed in the search results and just out there into the rest of the world. Also, it totally makes my day to see that someone enjoyed hearing some good news. Okay, second sidebar. Do you shop for things on Amazon? Well... Aside from the ratings and reviews, the best way to support the show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash good news and clicking that little button that says support our artists. That will take you to Amazon, where you just kind of shop around and do your stuff like you normally would. Then when you check out, Amazon kicks back a little percentage of what they make to the show. And that little percentage helps me keep the show a-goin' so very cool, right? Okay, housekeeping time is over. Uh, Let's talk to Megan and Heather and Aaron. Good news. Good news. Good news. Good news. Good news. Good news. Hello. Good news. I think it's time we had some freaking real good news. Okay, so I'll just like start with some questions and then we can just have a conversation see where it goes you know like an interview (laughs) (laughs) so I guess the first thing I want to talk about is um, like the main mission statement for our front porch like what its uh, main thing is and then after just have you kind of tell listeners about that and then afterwards we can kind of dive into the, the history of it and, and the history of all of you guys.
2: Okay. All right. So this is Heather and I would, what we arch um, is providing short-term uh, rental housing specifically geared towards uh, people who've been displaced by a house fire, flood or similar disaster. Um, that's our, our long term goal. We're working towards that on a daily basis um, to try to buy land, um, find investors, and start building the first one. Um, the ho- it's community oriented housing uh, with basically built in um, casework, social workers, therapists, people to help you deal with your insurance, find you know your next permanent home, etc. So that's, that's kind of our grand plan in terms of where we're going with this. Um, however, the need for housing for the, these people who are displaced is so huge um, that we decided we'd start doing whatever we could do now in the interim. So basically mm. what we've been doing for the last, uh, what, year plus maybe? Year and a half. Year and a half is uh, we work with people who have been, you know, been through these situations, a lot of house fires, um, some floods, some weird scenarios with like cars running into houses and making them structurally unstable. Um, most of our clients come through the, from the Red Cross, they're referred uh, through that mechanism. And we work with them, kind of help them find new rental housing, negotiate with landlords, deal with the, um, you know, the trauma and all the stress associated with it, whatever therapy we can provide, et cetera. Um, and that's the architect's version of it. So I'll let the, so worker tell you what she thinks we do so
3: we're trying to provide
2: a holistic
3: approach to helping these families or individuals rebuild and we're hoping that with the case management and therapeutic services that will prevent any long-term trauma that can affect these families
1: very cool great i love that um i've uh what made you um well i guess maybe let's start way, way back where, mm-hmm. cause you guys all are not originally from Denver, correct? You, oh, um, you all ended up migrating there eventually, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I think it'd be cool to talk about just a little bit like, um, each of your different where you came from and what got you into, uh, like service oriented careers and wanting to help people. And then, um, this is turning into like a seven right. part question, but so first.
3: <laughs> I'll go first. Um, I thought there was another part to it. So this is Maggie and I'm originally from Connecticut and I have always been drawn to the social service world. I got my bachelor's in social work in, I don't know, years ago. And I've just been doing social work for probably like the last 15, 16 years. And I've always um, been very driven by crisis work. And after Hurricane Katrina, I just was so upset by how so many of these families had nowhere to go and no real long-term support. So I was destined to figure out a way to be part of disaster-related
0: work. Mm-hmm. So, Erin? Okay. Uh, this is Erin. I'm originally from Wyoming. Yeah, and I okay. actually... <laughs> yeah. um, I ended up in Denver from grad school, but the what drew me to drew me to the helping field, I guess. What I don't know, I kind of stumbled upon it. I went to school to be a physical therapist, and then it turns out I hated it.
3: Mm. I didn't know
0: that. <laughs> so wow, gosh, you learned so many things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it Turns out I really hated it, and so then, but I really love my. Um, intro to Psych course, and so I just kind of kept heading in that direction. And then since then, it's still been kind of just stumbling upon things. Like I have always wanted to help people with certain things and stuff. But then Maggie was my supervisor, and she told me about this fantastic idea, and it kind of just went from there.
1: Awesome. Nice. Okay, so
2: odd man out here. And this is Heather. I'm the lonely um, architect in these the social service world that I have found <laughs> myself in. Um, and I'm originally from Michigan, uh, found my way here to, to Colorado for grad school, to an architecture school. Um, and I've been one of those people who never really finds the right job and was kind of always looking for something else. And, and it was always driven from this perspective of wanting to do something for the public good. Um, and architecture was... Uh, I thought that would be a way to kind of apply. I'm a much more like technically oriented person. Um, I always say I'm like a wannabe social worker, but Mm -hmm. I never had the actual skills or soft skills to do that. (laughs) I'm much better with like math and like building stuff. So I go to architecture school. That was fun. Um, Had various jobs, private sector, public sector. Um, Was always drawn to disaster recovery not really knowing why, it was just fascinating to me, um, and so I tried to figure out how to get involved with that from the architecture perspective, um, and to give you a little history on uh, how I met Maggie, we both found ourselves in New Orleans in, what year did we decide that was? I think five years ago. Five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have to check Facebook, because it's the only way we know when we actually met. Um <laughs> And we were doing this, uh, it was a Habitat for Humanity Disaster Corps, and it was this, you know, group you volunteered for, and uh, in terms of Habitat, you'd go out and um, help the communities recover, you know, after some sort of disaster, and it was Habitat's version of disaster recovery. Mm. Both ended up at this training, didn't know anybody, and just kind of clicked, and uh, just became friends. And she still lived in Connecticut, I was living in Colorado at that point. And we'd visit each other and go to various concerts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And finally, she decided to move here. She'd always wanted to move here. Um, and I want to say within four, three, four months of me being, here. of you being yeah. here, um, she came up with this idea. We were sitting at a tiki bar. We was were celebrating, <laughs>
3: actually I was celebrating. Brand new job out in Denver. We went to Key West for the week. And we were in a hotel the first night having some cocktails. And out of my mouth, I turned to her and I said, hey, we should create disaster housing for these families. And the architect in her was like, oh, we could do this great co-housing model (laughs) to it. And my life was forever changed. Sometimes I say it was
2: the best thing that came out of my mouth and then the worst thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree so that was kind of the like impetus of the whole thing and we just kind of started plugging along and I think within like a month of that we've dragged Erin on board mm-hmm. and she's been you know putting up with with us ever since <laughs> and that was a couple years ago and where yeah, are we three three years ago, years ago three years and ago. it's
0: always hilarious because Maggie already knew that this was what she was doing but she tried to present it to me as like oh I had this like idea yesterday <laughs> <laughs> and I like Wouldn't it be cool to do, like, disaster housing? And I hardly knew her at that point, but I was kind of scared of her. So I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. But then, like, turns out she actually had a plan the whole time.
3: Uh (laughs) And it worked out great because where Erin and I worked, we hated the job. So we got to spend a lot of time kind of brainstorming different aspects of what our front porch could be social media wise therapeutic wise program so it worked out yeah, it worked well out. i wasn't a really good supervisor <laughs> she was a fantastic supervisor <laughs> um
1: i love that i i especially love that uh anecdote about like not being excited about where you're working and um just coming up with something that's going to help people and like influence the world in a positive way and getting so excited about it Just, I feel like that just makes all the difference in life all of a sudden when you're like, oh, I can do this awesome thing and how, and you're like stoked on it because you got to really be passionate and love what you're working towards. And when you're like in a job or a situation where you're not, it's like, it's a drag.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's an understatement. Yeah, Um,
1: It has
2: definitely, I think, motivated all of us at various points in our lives. Um to get through whatever it is that we're doing in the interim
1: because we're all
2: doing things in the interim.
1: Yeah. Um, that's good. I love that sentence that you just said because I, I, (laughs) yeah, I just feel like it, it makes, it's so cool to hear. Uh, I always ask people on the podcast, like about times in their, a time in their life when something affected them positively. And it's just cool to hear people's, like you guys in particular what has affected you very positively is coming up with this uh like awesome thing all together and going after it and making it happen and it's like uh from what it sounds like it's affected your life in such a positive way as well um so the next thing i wanted to ask you about was so you came up with the idea you're at the tiki bar celebrating the job you have the idea you bring Aaron on and then like, what has been the process from that point on of, of making it happen?
3: So I think we pretty much spent the first six months fantasizing about what this company would look like
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: from imagining the house to talking about the therapy dog to planning the gala with the champagne glasses with the chocolate on the rims of it (laughs) and then bringing it to life through social media and that has been Aaron all the way for probably two years that was our only outlet I would say we didn't have clients we were just thank you Mm presents we were brainstorming and Heather and I were doing business planning and taking classes and trying to figure out how to start a business because we sure as hell don't know what we're doing all the time. (laughs) Um, And then as the clients came on board, that was really cool because Red Cross bought into it and for Red Cross to buy into this, it was that first time it wasn't a family member or a friend saying this is a really good idea and then to have that first client actually need everything we thought they needed was probably one of the coolest experiences for me and one I often have to go back to because this can be hell on earth (laughs) um Heather and I joked the this has brought out the best and worst of us And in the last month, we have cried in every bar because (laughs) we've been overly happy or lost and depressed and trying to figure it out. So I think it's been a great process, but definitely a very trying one. And what I love about working with Heather is when I'm ready to say enough of this, she's at her highest. Mm. And when when she's at her (laughs) lowest – I'm at my highest and we just always refer to each other as 50 or 51%. And you just know when you need a break, the other one has to be 51. And it just, it seems to work really well for us, I think.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, like it's such a, and I think we're both at the point now where we've done enough work where we've seen this is beyond needed. Everybody thinks it's a fabulous idea. Right. And we can see, it's like you're so close, you can taste it, but you're so far. You know, like we, I, I have the vision. We, I know what it's, you know, I think mm-hmm. we both like have an idea of what this looks like on a day to day basis once the house is up and running and people are coming in and out and doing what they need to do. And like it's just, it can't happen soon enough. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, what motivates us too when we're just like, you know, trying to buy land and that's not anything fun or, um, easy or straightforward, you know, and, and, talking to various people and trying to negotiate things. And it's just, it's tough. But, um, but yeah, I think now we're, at least I feel like I've crossed that threshold at that point in the road of starting a new business where like, you can't go back now. Like there's no way mm-hmm. to go but forward, even though we have no idea what that looks like or how we're going to get there, but we're going to get there. And that's why we cry in bars.
1: It is why we cry in bars, yes. I can't imagine. Well, I was so surprised because I knew about our front porch from talking to Erin. And then when I, like, really started to look into it and saw that it was just you guys, I was, like, like, floored in a good way of being like, oh, my gosh, Uh, this is incredible that like it's really just them and they are like making this happen and yeah I can't imagine the ups and downs but it, it's it's got to be like it's it is so important to have that balance and that person who can like that's an amazing partnership to have the person mm-hmm. who can hold you up when you're falling down and vice versa um I just love like because that's just life and just being able to go into things like that. Even when you're making something super positive to know that there's going to be downs because it can't be up all the time. And that's like the part of the struggle of making something. You've got to go through that sludge. Um, uh, I'm just like a big applause to you guys for starting it and saying you're going to do it and then doing it by yourselves and having the red crosses That's so cool. That's like an amazing first client.
3: (laughs) And I think, too, part of what Aaron has done so well is brought, been able to tell the story of something that exists in our head, but not up until a year ago, there were no clients. Yeah. So we always were able to have a visual through social media, which I think kept Heather and I both moving, Mm -hmm. because once it was out there, we couldn't turn it back. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think it's also like they've built something so incredible that like I jumped on board first because I hated my job and I really liked Maggie (laughs) and I liked like helping people. And so that was cool. And then I met Heather and it just kind of went from there and it was kind of a good distraction from the job that we really didn't like to be able to like Maggie said earlier to be able to spend a lot of the time that we weren't doing that job Mm -hmm. to like brainstorm all the things for OFP. Um, but even since then, like now I'm in a job that I absolutely love and I still don't give up OFP like ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) it's just like, that just shows how incredible of like a startup it is and like speaks volumes of both of them, I think. Cause it's like, you can see how hard it is, but they don't give up even, but they're also honest about it of like, I hate OFP right now or like, Oh, (laughs) this is really great. But like, I think that's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: There's definitely those moments. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you gotta have that honesty in in order to be able to move forward. You have to be like, "This is shitty right now," because that's only the way things get better. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's
2: true. It's true. And and I think you know, I have to give a little props to our. um, We've been able, we've been fortunate to have a couple interns. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. something we picked up this year too, which was awesome. because it allowed us to you know because it, it really was just the three of us and yeah. and even the three of us can only do so much so by being able to keep bringing on other people we can then you know hand off some of the responsibilities the day-to-day stuff so that we can actually try to move this thing forward yeah um, it's it's unreal to me how businesses get started like knowing what I know now like it I It's nothing short of a miracle, I think, to get anything off the ground. I mean, it's just – it takes so much time and effort and energy.
3: Yeah. If I knew what I knew now, I don't know if I would have gone down this path.
2: Agreed.
3: (laughs) I know it's going to end up fantastic. But it's a lot more than I ever, ever would have imagined. And trying to work
2: another job on top of it. It's like – I think that's our biggest struggle. Mm. Well, for sure, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm the, the probably the most flexible schedule-wise. My other jobs are either part-time or on-call or whatever they are. Um, so I have more of that, that flexibility. Um, and even having that, it's still like there's never, you're never done. Yeah. There's never a, you know, downtime. Um, and I think too, it's hard, what we're trying to do is, is not, I mean, there's a reason it hasn't been done before, right? Like it's not easy. It's not straightforward. We don't have a, it's not like we're producing a widget and everybody's going to love it and it's going to be sold for X and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we get, we fall into these, like if you try to get into the startup world, it's all these like tech startups and a new app and a new this and, and that's not what we're doing, right? We're, we're trying to build community around a really crummy thing that's happened to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a way to get them through it in a better way because we've seen the other side of that and it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard sell sometimes because it's mm-hmm. not tangible. It doesn't, you know, how do you put a price tag on
3: that? So, and people don't always understand what we're doing right now because yeah. there is no physical location.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, trying to explain this to others is just another challenge because we can't say, oh, we have this house and this is what we do. It's still in theory. Yeah. So we see it, but it's it's a hard sell for people because it's not, they don't really have the visual.
0: Yeah. Well, I think in addition to that, there's also like, people are like, but there's Red Cross and there's FEMA Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand what this service is. But, I mean, it's kind of easy to explain to it that it's a gap in services because a lot of people just don't know the actual facts about Red Cross and FEMA and stuff, and so they just assume that that's taking care of everything, and it's really not. Yeah. You know, while they're both, like, really great agencies, yeah. corporations, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. So,
1: um, Well, I think – yeah, let's uh, let's elaborate on that a little bit because I, I do want – like, I think it would be good to point out how um, – Something like what you got, like what you guys are doing, is filling in those gaps. So, um, like, let's just—I mean, I so don't I totally like know to about describe it.
3: Describe it as we are the people who will come in when, in a big disaster, the media is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing real long-term work. This is six months to two years out after the disaster, where. People have lost everything. The mental health issues are coming more to light. They drained their finances, and they've nowhere to go. And what we found with the current clients we have is they're rushed into picking new housing that's not affordable, it's not safe, and it's not appropriate for them. Mm.
0: Yeah, um, and
2: uh, um, yeah. I picked that up by you know it is a bit of an educational piece. So like, you know, for people who don't know, you know, Red Cross, uh, went on a, I call them like the one-off disasters like the house fire, or the house flood, which is the people what we've been working with now. Cause luckily knock on when we haven't had a major disaster here in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so Red Cross will, you know, if you have a house fire, they'll come out, um, the night of the fire, they'll give you a gift card with maybe a couple hundred bucks on it. And, um, you know, say, Hey, we'll try to refer you to some resources. If you need it, call this number and don't get me wrong. That's great. You know, because it's, it's cash, it's no strings attached. It's a, it's not a lot of money. It'll get you maybe a night or two in a hotel room, maybe a meal or two. Yeah. Um, but that's all they, that's all their funding allows for and that's what they do. Um, and on a bigger scale FEMA, will do the same thing at, you know, a larger scale disaster, but then, you know, they're, they have their requirements and then they're kind of done with it. Um, I don't think either organization does a good job of addressing the mental health side of it. Um, and then on the so if you like look at like that's kind of like the the nonprofit world, and it's very much the um, you know I don't want to say handout, but it, that's what it is, right? It's no strings attached. Here's mm-hmm. your money, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and then if you look on the completely like for profit side of things, you have the insurance industry, and you know they're there, they serve a purpose. Um, but we can, speaking from, you know, the uh, massive amounts of clients that we've worked with and the various insurance policies that they've had, they all have extreme limitations and insurance companies aren't in the business of, um, you know, giving you everything you need. I mean, let's be honest, they're there to make a profit and they're there to, um, essentially give you only what they deem appropriate. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of limitations there as well. So what we're trying to do is this kind of be like that hybrid in the middle is, you know, we're actually uh, incorporated as an L3C, which is a low profit limited liability company, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean a whole lot to people, but it's essentially um, a for-profit company with a social mission. And the idea behind that is, you know, we're, we're trying to build rental housing. So it's not, um, you know, we want it to be less than market rate, because especially in a market like Denver where that's crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we want it to be the ten.
1: <laughs> he's like, "Yes, it's crazy. Rent so high." I know, Phil was just
2: not a fan of that. And he's like, "Yeah, it's crazy right now. I just moved in." Um, <laughs> so the point is, if we we try to, I said, be that transition of, you know, you it's, it's is rental housing, but within built-in services for what these people need. um, and and we're not a nonprofit because we don't want to be dictated on where we spend our money. We want to be able to spend the money where it's most effective. Because, um, unfortunately, you see that a lot, too, with either nonprofits or government funding is, you know, they're tied to certain restrictions of where what they have to spend and where they have to spend that. And sometimes it's not where it's needed.
1: Okay. I so
2: see. so that's kind of – that's how I describe, like, exactly, you know, in, ter- in types of in, – in, who we are and and where we fit in in that realm of existing, you know, disaster recovery, um, different companies and agencies and stuff
0: like that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was a great explanation. I think, um, I think a lot of times people just forget kind of like you were talking about when something happens on the media or there's a disaster, they see everybody rush in right in the beginning. (laughs) And then you just, I mean, losing your home is such a, huge i mean the amount of stress and mental health things that develop after it's like when somebody when somebody passes away and everybody's there right in the beginning and then but the real struggle is actually the years and years after that um i think a lot of times people just kind of don't think about that aspect as much and so it's really important to have that middle ground to really help people get back all the way back on their feet well, yeah. I, I and
3: that. and I
2: think, too, you know, I mean, it brings up a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, everybody has, you know, their, their issues and their triggers, right, and all of this stuff. And when you're in that kind of situation, like, everything comes out. I mean, you okay. guys can speak to that more yeah. than I can. Um, and so you're just that much more susceptible or vulnerable to, like, going back down whatever path you were trying to get out of. Um,
3: well, and I think... And I don't know, this just popped into my head. I don't even know if this is part of your question at this point. Um, but I think what is so telling about the need for this is we give our clients nothing. Right. There's no money. There's There's nothing we can give to them other than someone to listen to them and support them through this process. And our very first client, when I called her on the phone and said to her, you know, here's what we're doing, but I have nothing to give you other than just coming out and trying to help you. Her first comment was sometimes you need support more than money. Yeah. And that always sticks with me.
1: Oh yeah. And makes that's me- huge.
3: Yeah. So to me, that just confirms how much people need this extra layer of support.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get well, so um, you're talking about clients a little bit, and obviously without sh- just um, without sharing For a anything. Second. Yeah. Um, like, what was your first kind of client situation? So you got Red Cross. Red Cross got involved, and then what was the next thing that happened from there? Like, what was your first I- experience with having clients? Aaron will talk to you about our community <laughs> meals. Um,
0: yeah. That's nearly. Essentially- uh, we started getting clients and they would meet with them. They would do their phone check-ins, like basically what they've been talking about as far as like supporting through just this time, helping them navigate the insurance side of things and all of that. But then the piece that would be added to it was doing community meals where it was kind of all of the families or individuals that we were working with would all come together to one place and have a meal together that um, we would provide and, it wasn't really, like, there wasn't any, like, group process with it. It was mainly just, like, a place for everyone to get together and know that someone else is going through the same thing as them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, <laughs> they were a little bit challenging just because a lot of these families had lost everything and still don't have, like, resources and going through a very hectic time. Um, but for the most part, people showed up and were very appreciative and made friends with the other families and stuff like that. And I think it was, it was a good experience. For us to have, um, and to show us, like, again, just how much, like, people actually just need support, yeah,
3: right. and that sense of community, yeah. And I think along the way, Heather and I have a, the big vision in our head of interns and communities and all this great stuff. And I think what we've been trying to do over the last year is test all of that
2: mm-hmm. so
3: connecting with um du and metro and getting the interns we've seen this is helpful and that is something we want to incorporate into the house and the theory that community brings people together we saw that during these meals so we've just kind of been testing things and changing things up so when that house
2: is built it's it's, it's not like we haven't we've never seen this before yeah
1: yeah yeah that's makes total sense um So the, so the final, like once you guys are able to get, uh, get some, some of that sweet, sweet land, um, you'll, you'll be able to, so the dream is to have like buildings or a big, like, why can't I think of the right word? Community housing, um, style buildings. So that would what would that look like? Like people have their own apartments, but then there's community spaces type of thing? Like community kitchens or courtyards and things like that? What's your...
2: Exactly. Cool. Yeah, it's, um, the, you're like the first person who like has gotten the the vision. Yeah. (laughs) When you describe it, everybody starts thinking like FEMA trailers and you're like, no, 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 (laughs) that's not the idea. Um, I always, I, there's, I'm, I'm learning better ways to explain it. I think, um, a lot of times I say it's like an extended stay hotel. Mm-hmm. Where you have your own room, and you know the the concept is a little bit flexible. Where it may, we have anything from like a one bedroom to a two bedroom to a three bedroom, and then um, you know you don't necessarily have all of the amenities of your own place, but it's enough to to live in. And then there's shared living space, kitchen, kids play area, washer dryer, all of those things, um, and and the idea that that's by design, right? Because people. Um, you know, if you just it, it's I't say forcing isn't the right word, but it's it's using design uh to essentially make interactions happen intentionally as mm-hmm. opposed to by accident. So you know, I mean, I live in a condo building with seventy nine other units, and I can tell you months go by where I don't see those people, yeah, so you know, the idea here is that you know, you're, you're using the spaces, you know, we have shared meals. We'll do, you know, community meal, meals a couple of times a week. You got to come down and do your laundry. You run into people. Um, you know, whether your kids want to play in the backyard or whatever the case may be. So that's the, that's the kind of community and cooperative, um, side of it. Uh, you know, that we think is, I, you know, I think it's imperative that that's how this happens. Yeah. Um, But from more of like a physical, you know, way to describe it, it's, it's, you know, your individual units, shared spaces, um, you know, we'll have some, some space for the, you know, the therapists and the interns Mm -hmm. and everybody else working there. Um, We actually want to have one unit devoted to um, be housing for, you know, the master's level student that is interning there. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen this work in other models of like, of, residential models where somebody lives on site and, um, you know, in exchange for affordable housing, essentially, they get their internship hours and it's it's kind of a guaranteed person on site all the time, which is nice.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. It's like using space to establish community. And I think what's cool about it is that everybody's like in the same boat. So... Because when you're, say you're at the laundromat in a regular apartment building where you're the only person who's gone through a tragedy, like when somebody asks you how your day has been, you're like, I don't want to talk to you. But when everybody in that laundry room has gone through a similar tragedy, having somebody ask how exactly. your day has been. And I,
2: the laundry room is, um, it is kind of a nice little <laughs> analogy because that... I. I can't tell you that's one of the biggest things, like especially after a house fire to the, the process of getting the smoke smell out of your clothes mm. is quite labor intensive. Um, and so, you know, if there's a place where you can come and, you know, lament about that, this is the place you yeah. can go. Yeah, you know, Everybody's been through and, that and gets what you have to do to do that. So yeah. I
1: love that. Um, so I, uh, so people who have been through uh, a disaster, say somebody has gone through a disaster, Red Cross comes in, and then does Red Cross refer them to you guys? Is that like how it work, would work? or how? So how do they find you, I guess?
3: That's exactly how it works. So Red Cross does their three days of crisis intervention, and then will call us, with the client's name and then we do art intake and go out and meet them for their first session and assess what they need. And recently we've um, been referring a lot of the trauma work to the Denver clinic. What's it called? Do you,
2: yeah, oh, it's the, yeah. It's, it's like trauma um, and disaster clinic. Yeah. Um, that the, one of the universities here has, which is, is a great, um, partnership for us because um, they they basically focus on um, it, it's all therapy yeah based on you know specific to people who have been through very serious forms of trauma and, and whatnot so we've we have referred refer people there who maybe have a, a more intense need for um, mm-hmm. more support. ongoing yeah. therapy because we
3: don't have the manpower to do it and that's one of the universities where we have students from so mm, it's okay. it's a great partnership okay. yeah
1: yeah, that's great. Cool. And so the resources you help them with, you obviously, like, therapy is the first, um, mm-hmm. like, the first concern. And then right now, because you don't have a building, so you do you work with them to help find... Um,
3: yeah, so basically we will start, as Heather calls it, disaster. What do you call it? Disaster? Oh, I call it, like, house hunters for, for disaster, disaster survivors. survivors. <laughs> so... We go out and we help the clients work with landlords and, you know, find some affordable housing, but it's nearly impossible here. And through that process is where you kind of see all the mental health needs come to light. Mm -hmm. So that piece is secondary because clients aren't coming to you aware necessarily because they're in crisis mode and they can't go there in a safe way. Yeah. So it's starting with finding them housing and then – Doing the mental health piece after that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, finding housing, just even when you're like yeah. in a great place in life, is a freaking nightmare. So, um, having resources and help with that. And then, are there, are you able to, because like you've mentioned, um, housing is so crazy in Denver, um, are there, how do you go about finding? housing that is affordable for them, or are there any partnerships that have popped up or that you're hoping will happen? Yeah, I guess, how does how does that it's, process that's, work? It's a
2: great question, and it's there's no good answer, unfortunately. Um, we've gone done everything from essentially, like if you, on one end of the spectrum, it's, you know, if they're, you know, market rate type housing is what they're looking for, um, it's just the mass competition. So, mm-hmm you know, we've done things where we, we kind of just act as their representative. And, um, I mean, I know I've called landlords and, you know, kind of told their story because yeah. sometimes it's a matter of separating them from the pack of the other 50 people who have applied for that house, that rental mm-hmm. house. Um, so sometimes it's that, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes, you know, all we can do is get people on wait lists and various housing programs and stuff like that. Um, the affordable housing situation here is is crazy, too. I mean, there's not enough <laughs> units. There, There's basically no units available. They can't build them fast enough. The ones that are getting built have been filled two years ago. You know, so mm-hmm. um, it's – there. like I said, there was really no good answer. I mean, then on the other – I mean, on, on top of that, we also – I mean, we've had people who've had to move out of state, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the reality or people who they move in with family and they stay there for a really long time. Um, and so a lot of it is, you know, you have people who were say they were in a rental, they've been there for 10 years and they were paying, you know, 800 bucks a month. Well, now that same rental is double that price.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
2: they either are stuck with, you know, if they want to pay for a hotel, or their insurance pays for a part of it, but you know, after a couple of weeks they max that out, um, they they're out of pocket all of this money. So, like, how can you even begin to save for you know a, a higher rental cost and and um, security deposit and all that stuff when you know you're just trying to put a roof over your head? Yeah, it's really hard. And I think, like I said, it goes back to it just keeps reinforcing that there's such a need here because our whole plan is. The idea that, you know, you're paying rent before or mortgage before, like you're just you're continuing to do that, but we can transition the the um, jump, you know. So whether we can, you know, you're saving money and trying to figure out where you go next and where the best place is and you're not making a poor housing choice because you're forced to. Yeah. And essentially,
3: we're looking to help these families buy some time. Yes. that simple. Yes. Um so that they're making good decisions for themselves, their family, their jobs aren't jeopardized and
1: yeah because it's just um I just can't imagine having to be rushed in that situation and having to like I just wouldn't even know where to start if something happened to my apartment right now cuz I have no savings and like none of that. And so yeah, having having somebody there to help with those first steps and then like obviously once you guys get the land that'll be the that's like the completion of the thing so would you be charging people when when you're deciding what your in, the income f- or like what the payment for the housing would be would it be based on people's incomes and what they were previously paying or would it be one kind of like flat rate how, how do you picture that working
3: so in a perfect world, what we envision is clients paying us what they paid at their previous rental unit. Okay, awesome. Yeah. We just need to do some research on whether or not that's allowed. Yeah, <laughs> we're still trying, that's the piece we're still that's where we are right now, trying to figure out yeah. that piece. But this is in no way a shelter; it's rental housing um, with just some built in support services and Mm -hmm. which you don't
2: even have to participate in if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've, we've toyed around with, and this will be, you know, we've tried to talk to various, um, local governments and, and whatnot. And, you know, if we could make some of these units technically affordable, um, the problem in that being though is, you know, and then it would be based on a percentage of income or whatever, but there's a lot of restrictions to that. And I think the nature of what we're most most governments can't wrap their head around short term housing, mm-hmm. um, and then that's this is just you know one of these pieces that we're trying to work through because it's this it, it, like I said this isn't um, this doesn't exist yeah. and so you know they don't want the concept is you know you don't want to sign somebody up for a lease if they're only, if it's three months you know they want people in long term leases and that obviously doesn't cater to what we're trying to do, um, so you know it's it's kind of more of a <laughs> The other thing I described the other day was like, you know, like an Airbnb um, for people displaced by disasters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what does that look like? So, I mean, I think we're, you know, we don't plan, the, the goal here is not to charge market rate rents. Um, we're not in this to make, you know, tons of money. We're in this to make enough money to cover our costs. Hmm. Um, so that we can continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. So you know, we've got all sorts of financial plans and models, and with various rates plugged in, and what that looks like, and it, a lot of it depends on where it is, and all this other great stuff. Um, but the general premise is what Maggie said: is you know, you know, the only way this works is if it, if it makes sense to these people. You know, yeah. is that they, they've, you know, who has, you know. Um, who has a savings these days? Let's be honest, right? Like, yeah, yeah. everybody lives check to paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's, that's the norm. And it's, um, you know, and housing costs are through the roof in a lot of major cities, a lot of, you know, in a lot of states. And so, you know, you just, you know, the standard definition of affordable is 30% of, you know, your rent or your mortgage or housing costs should be 30% of your, your monthly income. <laughs> well, if you poll people... Who's paying that? Yeah. Nobody.
1: Nobody. It's you like know? 70% in reality, or at least Exactly. 50.
2: Exactly. So, you know, that's the the other, like, little tidbit I'd throw out here is, I mean, I don't think, out of all of the clients we've worked with, um, I don't, I think maybe one, I think I can think of one case where somebody actually got their security deposit back yep. when they mm-hmm. were displaced by a fire. And it's not even like these, you know, this is... Electrical fires, accidental fires, fires that had nothing to do with them, um you know it, it's not like they were intentional, none of them are. I mean yeah, everything mm-hmm. is, intentional. and so it's like it, this was at no fault of their own. They're displaced from their housing, they're kicked out of their housing. Most landlords um see this as honestly the golden opportunity and not to knock landlords, but they have insurance. Their insurance Mm -hmm. pays for their lack of income once these people are are moved out. Then the insurance pays to cover the cost to rebuild it, and then they can rent it out for twice as much. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's, you know, that's where they win. And, I mean, I've had that conversation with lots of landlords. Like, really? You're, you know, they paid rent on the first and the fire was on the second, and you're giving them nothing back? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that make sense? You know? And now these people are having to, like, pay for themselves in a hotel or something. That doesn't work. So, you know it's it's just tough yeah. it's really tough yeah. so that's but, a long answer to your no, question about rent
1: no i can <laughs> that's why. what it plays into like i had a hard time even phrasing the question cuz <laughs> rent by itself is already so convoluted <laughs> and like trying to figure out like what you were saying earlier this is a new there's no template for you guys to follow and so right. like figuring out how to stitch all this together and help like how to create something under one plan that still works for people individually is like a huge feat. (laughs) We
3: nailed it. No, we nailed it. It is. It's,
1: it's very difficult.
3: Mm -hmm. And we have had every profile of client cross our path. Yeah. You know, when they say disasters don't discriminate, they're not lying. Yeah. You know, we've had wealthy families to, families living in cars so Mm -hmm. you're right our model does have to fit quite the variety mm -hmm, yeah
1: but that's what's so cool about it it's like it doesn't exist (laughs) that's why (laughs) Mm -mm. well and that's why it obviously needs to exist um like we were talking about before and I love how you just said it, like the different aspects of wealthy people living in their cars. Mm-hmm. It like b- brings everybody together. Everybody, you end up every, if when something happens, everybody's in the same boat. I guess uh, maybe I'll ask you guys. Uh, so sorry, I've been gabbing at you for like an hour. I just love, I just love this whole thing so much, but maybe we can start to wind it up a little bit because uh, we've talked so much about the logistics, but I would love to ask you guys what I ask everybody at towards the end of the podcast, which is like, what is something positive that has, or something that has affected you in a positive way? But so I guess specifically for you guys, maybe I'll ask what some of your favorite stories or standout moments have been that affected you in a positive way that maybe you didn't expect. Ooh. Go all for right. it, because I'm this thinking...
0: Is, this is Erin. Um, something that has stood out to me, so I, I do all the social media, pretty much, um, and so we're always looking for a way to, like... I mean, like, our big dream is, like, beyond on Ellen yes. and, no, like, Jimmy Fallon and, like, things like that. It's actually yeah. part of our business <laughs> Yeah. So I, like, I try my very best with Twitter, which I don't fully understand still, but... Um, trying to do things like that and so then u.s bank was doing this thing last year yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like a tell us something good that oh, you're going to yeah. do for your community basically and we'll give you money and oh. so i posted being like something about one of the community meals of like mm-hmm. we would love to be able to provide more community meals for our clients and so they selected us and sent us the money and we were like already we were like well that's pretty cool u.s bank is into our idea and yeah. then later and like that all went well, and then later, like this summer, I think it was mm-hmm. Maggie and I were downtown for. It was like the chalk art festival, but then there was a U.S. Bank like tent area. But we didn't know that at first. We just saw all these big blow up couches, and we wanted to go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so we went over there, and then they had all of this like thing to like post to social media um, something about like t- I don't remember what it was now, but we were like, either. oh, we should do this and say thank you for the money. And so then we were like writing on the chalkboards to do it, and the guy came up and he was like, "Wait, you guys are OFP?" And they're like a team that's based in like Minnesota or somewhere mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. even here. And like their whole team loved the our front porch idea and just like cool. knew who we were and were so excited to meet us and wanted to take a picture of us to send to the rest of the team. And I think that's like one of the coolest things when people that are outside family and friends, but mm-hmm. it's actually someone that's not even involved with disaster services at all, mm-hmm. thinks yeah. that we're a really cool idea and like. It was months later, like four months later from this happening, and they still remembered who we were. I love yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. That, that. was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, so it's like things like that that I come back to. And they gave us money again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> things like awesome.
3: that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I think, this is Maggie, my, it's more of a takeaway from this, mm-hmm. is the level of determination and strength that Heather and I have to put into this every single day. <laughs> it literally blows my mind sometimes that we are where we are and we have recently been shopping for land and we had, I had this moment just sitting in a car, looking at this vacant piece of land and thinking this dream we had at a tiki bar with a cold <laughs> light is actually gonna come to life and it. I had a moment where it literally took my breath away and I think that's the piece that I needed to keep going at this point mm. um so it's more a takeaway than something yeah excited I i I have moments where I've lost the excitement because it's so mammoth right now that it's these little pieces of like this stupid little thought we had. Mm. <laughs> and people buy into this and think it's awesome. And we're standing on a piece of land where we could come to work every day. And I thought that was really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, um, I guess that leaves me. Uh okay so this is Heather. And I think you know I have maybe two two thoughts if I'm can be allowed. Yes you please. You're know, <laughs> um, you um, 51 right? Yeah <laughs> I, I can be 51 today. Um I would say on like a very like tangible level and this is kind of probably a reflection of me because I'm a very tangible person and whatever. But um I think my favorite day or my favorite thing happening is like move in day or when our clients get selected to be tenants in at least, I mean, it's a crazy world that that's even the case. Usually, you know, you get to pick the house you want to live in, but that's not the scenario anymore. So, you know, when, when our clients are, you know, they call us and they're like, we got the lease, we got the house, we got the house. And it's like, nothing makes me happier at that moment than to think, okay, finally, because you really like, you can't, and, and I get it. Like, these people cannot even begin to think about what's next until they have a roof over their head. I mean, yeah. it's, like, the most basic thing that everybody needs, right, is housing. So um, I would say from, like, a very tangible thing, like, that's that's probably one of them. Um, but to go – it reminded me when you were talking, Maggie, is that I think the thing, too, that I go back to is um, the amount of trust – that our clients put in us, mm-hmm. and I think you know who are we? A couple of ladies, right? You know, going around, you know, trying to help these people do whatever. And I mean, they, it, it, it's, 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 um, I think confirmation, and that's not, yeah. that's the right word, but that, that there is this need, and we're doing the right thing because we, we have people. I mean, they, they tell us everything, and they confide in us, and you know, I mean, I can't tell how many, like, this is awful, like, social security numbers people have had to give me for various things, Mm -hmm. and to trust me with that, you know, and who am I, but just a stranger that they met the other day, Yeah, Wendy's, Wendy's. and I bought them, you know, a cup of really bad coffee, (laughs) but, you know, there's this inherent, that trust that they put in you, and, I mean, I'm I'm privileged and honored that, that they would do that, because, I you know if I was to put myself in their shoes like I don't know if I would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think that would be my my takeaway of you know what what I go back to when it's like oh my gosh how the heck are we gonna do this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love all of those. I love all of those answers. <laughs> I can't. I want to do like a follow up with you guys down the road. Uh, once you are, right, it's really cool to be able to talk to a startup that is, like, in the, you, you guys have obviously done things, you have clients, and you're helping people, but you're still in the startup process, and you, like, still have this big vision of where you want to go, and it's, it's just cool to hear and talk about, and I really, like, really appreciate you guys doing an interview, and I think what you're doing is so cool. I love your honesty and your determination, and I can't wait to, keep following up with you. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> I'm so bad at sign-offs. <laughs> I'm so terrible at sign-offs. I guess let's all just say bye. We'll all be like, <laughs> bye.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah, thank you. This was great. We made Absolutely. a lot of fun. Absolutely.
1: Thank you guys so much. Goodbye. Bye. bye, thank you. Bye. That was the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Good News Podcast. Check out the Facebook page Hello and Good News and the Instagram at Hello and Good News for photos and links to the stories I talk about. And if you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review it. Bye bye. <laughs>